So as you've just heard, my name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. Very warm welcome to you. We are on our third week this week, uh, looking at our uh, series entitled BLESS. There you go, the B-L-E-S-S, which is an acronym for Begin With Prayer, Listen, Eat, Serve, and Share Your Story. In so many ways, I guess this series echoes something we did a few years back when we looked at the Invited series, when we looked at how we were going to love and care for one another and invite each other into our lives. Whereas this series now looks at taking some of those principles and now saying this is what we want to do in our communities, the spheres of influence that we have, whether it's the place we live, whether it's the place that we work, or whether it's the place that we play, so that we, as we would be with one another, we be with others and we get to be a blessing to them. Andy started us off by looking at beginning with prayer, and for us to pray for opportunities to show Jesus' love to other neighbors, our work colleagues, or in the places that we play. And I was talking to someone even this week uh, about the series that we're on, and they said that they thought in in that moment where Andy asked us, which sphere are you going to be thinking about? She said, I I was thinking it was going to be in my sphere of work. But she said when she got home and when she started to pray, she realized very quickly that she was supposed to be praying for her family, her neighbor, her family. And she said that through tears, she spent a long time praying for her mom. And so she began with prayer, and now she's looking for opportunities to share the gospel with her mom. I mean, it's just, that's fantastic, isn't it? David spoke last week about the importance of listening. Taking the time to hear what people are really saying, not just assuming that you know where the conversation is going. And each week we're asking for these blessedomonies, ways that you've maybe listened to what's happened on a Sunday and then put that into practice throughout the week. And I just wondered if anyone would have a, a, a story to tell about that some point this week you've had an opportunity to listen and you've just heard something from last week, you put something into practice from last week. Has anyone got anything they'd like to share with us to encourage us around, uh, around whether you had an opportunity to listen this week to any of your neighbors, somebody at work, or somewhere in the place that you play? It's been half term, I understand that. Has anyone got one? Tim, come on up. Come on, Tim. Come on, give me a round of applause he comes up. Hello, those people who know me will know I have something to say most of the time. Um, so this week at work, I run, an, I run an, normally an initiative called Chowdown Tuesday, which happens once a month where the company pays for lunch. It's awesome. Um, but this, this time I prayed that I wanted to uh, be able to put something of Jesus into that um, and not it just be a secular work event. And in the morning before it, I always announce it on our morning stand-up call. And I'm just like, right, God, can I have an opportunity to do it? Rich handed it over to me. He's our CEO. Uh, And and I'm just like, right. I said, one thing that's really important in my faith um, is eating together and listening to each other and sharing stories uh, and encouraging each other. Um, So I said, just, and it, it was a, you know, a ploy to try and get everybody into the office to, you know, eat together. But it was just so encouraging that I was just given that opportunity to talk freely about my faith in a workplace and nobody stood me down, nobody, uh, you know, beat down on me or anything like that. And everybody just listened and they appreciated and they said, thank you for sharing, Tim. So thank you, God, for letting me share. Very good. Toby? Pardon? That's fine. That's great, Toby. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah, I just went to praise God. Um, I've been on paternity leave a bit and I was back in the office this week. I work in a co-working office and um, just had 
two days in a row of just really great conversations with colleagues in co-working office about faith and what we believe and it got into very deep philosophical stuff but in, it, in all that was able to put forward the Christian worldview and God's just really made very easy open opportunities there for me to listen to what they believe and share what I believe so praise God for that. Very good, excellent. It's blessed to me, aren't time. You don't think that you're being proud and you're sharing this. It's just to encourage us as we're all on our journey of trying to bless the communities that we're part of. So today we're going to look at the E of bless, which is eat. Very good, eh? This is the one we've all been looking forward to. But some of us maybe haven't been. Because I'm very aware that for, for some people in the room, eating might not be as simple uh, an issue as maybe most of us would find it. I'm aware for some of us that if um, you've had a medical diagnosis which changes the way that you eat or what you're able to eat, or maybe you've got a, a strange relationship with food, today is not necessarily going to be the easiest of subjects as we unpack it. I just want to say to you this morning, we recognize you, we love you, you are part of this family. If you haven't yet spoken to anyone about that, maybe speak to a friend, come and find me, we can get you connected up in the pastoral care, just have that conversation just to see if there's anything we can do to support you on your journey around food. So I'm well aware that you are here, you're in the room, you're maybe online, but we want to say we love you, we're for you, we're with you, okay? Doesn't mean I'm not going to talk about this subject, I'm just recognizing you're here. Now, with all that said, it doesn't mean that this isn't for you, and it's for all of us this morning, because you could still invite people for a coffee, for a drink after work, or whatever that might look like. The point is of eat, to get around a table and share the everyday of life with someone, because it's around the table that people often open up about all sorts of things. So in my house... We sit around the table for dinner most nights with a no screens at the table policy. It's important because if you've got screens, you're just distracted anyway. No screens at the table policy. Now with a young family uh, who all want to talk and share and compete for, each, for the attention around the table, sometimes those moments are a little fraught, but they're worth battling through on. Our identity of us as a family has been forged largely around the dinner table as we share moments of laughter together and take the opportunity to share what's gone on in our days. Maybe for some families here, trying to cultivate the time to do this daily will help you be a blessing to each other, which will then help you be a blessing to others. But let me encourage you, if you can get one meal around the table as a family uh, a week, that will do your family good. There is something about eating together without screens that opens us up and also gives us the space to listen, which, as we heard about last week, is very important in blessing others. Now, I wonder if you were to talk about Jesus' ministry here on earth and the things that he did to bless those that he met, I wonder what the things you would say and what are the things that you would be to mention. Maybe just turn to someone now and just uh, to the person next to you and say, this, this is one way that he blessed people. Now, if you're at home and you're sitting there on your own, maybe text someone and they can, they can receive that text. <laughs> I 
Just one thing each. Come on, I'm going to draw you back now. Maybe you mentioned healing. Maybe you mentioned the teaching that he brought. Maybe it was the miracles that he did. Walking on water, praying, dying on the cross, rising again three days later. These are all incredible things that he did to bless us in his ministry. But one of the things we see him do time and time and time again is he sits and he eats with people. He takes the time not just to tell people or to lay hands on people, but to sit and to eat and to listen and to hear and to share. That is one of the main ways that he blesses people. I'm sure many of us could recount at least one story from the Bible that you can remember where Jesus eats with someone. Maybe it's the wedding at Cana where he, has his, where he performs his first miracle. Maybe it's the feeding of the 5,000 plus on that day on the side of a hill. Maybe it's when he calls Zacchaeus down from the tree and he goes to his house for tea. Maybe it's when Jesus broke bread after meeting the guys on the road to Emmaus. What about the famous breakfast when Jesus cooks the disciples fish after his resurrection? There are many moments where Jesus is found eating with people. The one we're going to look at today is when Jesus calls Matthew to be one of his followers. And we read the account of what happened in Matthew 9, 9 to 13. Matthew 9, 9 to 13. It says this. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said. So Matthew got up. And he followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call, not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Father, I just pray this morning that as we look at this subject, that your hand would be upon us, that your spirit would move amongst us. That this wouldn't be a chapter of a book that we're following, but this would be a way that we would choose to live life as your son Jesus lived his life on this earth. Give us ears to hear what you want us to hear today. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, most of you will be familiar with this story. Lots of what I'm about to say is not going to be mind-blowing and change your, in, in terms of, you've understood this, you've, you know this stuff already, but I just want to put this into context. You need to remember that Matthew is a tax collector which makes him somewhat unpopular in his community. He is not the person that most people would be thinking to bless. Quite the opposite, in fact. As Jews who worked for the Roman occupiers, they were seen as traitors. People who not just collected money for the Romans, but also overcharged in order to make money for themselves. These were not the guys you invited to join you in your your group, your team. And they certainly weren't the people you were going to share a meal with, identify yourself with. 
I wonder, are there people in your spheres, the people in your places where you live, play, work, who are socially unacceptable, who people prefer not to talk to, who don't tick all the boxes? I remember uh, quite a few years back, before we had children, uh, we met a homeless guy in town, uh, and we took him to McDonald's for lunch. Now, that homeless man hadn't had the facilities to have a shower, so he was smelly. And we got quite a few funny looks, me and my wife, as we sat with this young homeless guy. We maybe sat for half an hour. We shared stories of life. He explained why he was on the streets. I was able to tell him a little bit about my faith in Jesus. I'm not sure how many times that young man had been invited for a meal. But I know it did him good, and boy, did it do me good as I sat with him and heard his story. I'm not sure many people are going to pick him up off the street and take him for a meal. But something about the Spirit of God that day led us to do that. Jesus invites this socially unacceptable Matthew to follow him. And then he goes and he eats with him. He accepts an invite. He doesn't send him on a discipleship course. Right, great, you're following me now. This is the next steps. No, he goes to his home. He accepts the invite to go and eat with him. He enters into his place, into his world, where Matthew is going to be most comfortable. There's a, a, something we can learn from this. A top tip, if you like. Let's not assume that everyone will be, being, will be happy being invited to a middle-class home to eat the meal that you've prepared for them. That's not what the point of this message is about. To eat is to sit around a table, as I've said, any table. Maybe enjoy a pint and a packet of crisps, a, a coffee and a donut. Eating together with your packed lunches at a shared lunch break. There will be cultural differences as to how people eat and what they choose to eat and when they choose to eat and even what they call their meals. Whether that's a class difference or whether that's the countries that we're from. It may be even an age thing. Some of the, some of the things that my mum eats isn't recognizable to the things that my children will eat. Spam. <laughs> If you're invited, though, the question is, if you're invited to eat with someone and it's not your preference, will you go anyway to enter into that person's world? Whether it's to a high-end restaurant and you're being treated to a slap-up meal at Mrs. Miggins Pie Shop, or it's a dodgy pub on the Oxford Road, are you going to be equally happy to go and to enter into the world of someone else rather than stay in your comfort zone? To enter into the world of the ones Jesus has brought across our paths. Likewise, when we invite others, instead of assuming we're going to know what everyone's going to want to eat, maybe we could say to them, hey, we should grab a bite or something. Maybe get a drink. Any ideas where we can go? Rather than imposing your idea on them. I heard a, a lady speak at the beginning of the year, uh, a conference thing that Sean and I were at. And she spoke on the divide between uh, middle class and, and working class. And she said she spent most of her Christian life, she came from a, a working class background, most of her Christian life 
uh, going to people's, uh, when she was first became a Christian, she was invited to people's homes. She didn't really, she wasn't used to sitting around tables. She wasn't used to using knives for all that kind of stuff. She wasn't used to the food that was being, and she sat there feeling overwhelmed and not really knowing how to behave in those moments. That's not what we're going for. We're, we're looking to enter people's world so we can hear and connect, not to make them feel awkward. The point of eat is to show love and acceptance. The, uh, the guys, um, back, to, back to Matthew's house, understanding the significance of this moment is important in Matthew's house. The guy who wrote the book that this blessed series is based on, he says this. As people, us, who scoff down fast food on the go while steering with our knees, I'm not sure we really grasp how big a deal eating was in Jesus' culture. It was a statement of friendship. It was an affirmation of that person's value, dignity, and worth. Who you ate with indicated who you loved and considered to be part of your social class. That is why it was so scandalous to the religious leaders that he frequently ate with the lowest and most hated people of the day. Respectable rabbis didn't eat with those who weren't part of the good people group. Matthew didn't fit the mold. And Jesus shouldn't have been eating with him. Now, Jesus doesn't just eat with Matthew. The text says he eats with others that Matthew invites, other tax collectors and disreputable sinners. I think I probably would have been around that table. He doesn't turn up at the house, though, and say, hang on a minute, I only invited you to follow me. Why are all these other people here? I can't eat with them as well. No, he takes his place at the table and he no, no doubt tells his stories and hears about the lives of each one of these people. Jesus expresses his love and acceptance of Matthew and his friends by eating with them. He affirms their dignity and worth and value in a society that looks down on them. The religious rulers don't like this and they try to undermine Jesus by calling him into question with his disciples. Why does your teacher with, eat with such scum, the NLT puts it? It's a strong word, isn't it? I wonder though, have we ever been in a place where people could ask the same question of us? Why are you eating with such scum? Why are you spending time with them? It's worth thinking about, isn't it? Jesus was asked that question of. This is when Jesus famously overhears and he says, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I tend to think of this as a bit of a tongue-in-cheek moment. From Jesus, one of those moments meant to make the people at the table feel at ease, but the people who are pointing the finger to feel awkward. He was good at that, Jesus, wasn't he? He isn't interested in the assessment, uh, but instead he calls into question their hearts and their motives by reminding them of Scripture and telling them that they need to reassess their understanding of it. 
He speaks of grace. He speaks of mercy, like his whole life did. And says he has come for sinners, not that those who think, not for those who think they are righteous. Friends, let's keep reminding ourselves that we have been saved by grace from our sin. We have been saved by grace from our sin. And the righteousness we wear is not our own, it is his. Therefore, let's not place huge demands on others that we cannot live up to ourselves, like these uh, religious rulers were doing. With the grace and mercy that we have been shown, let us show others. Who's around our table? Whose tables are we around? So this is our passage. Jesus goes, eats with Matthew and his friends, and continues, actually, over the period of three years, to eat with many people, sinners, drunkards, and tax collectors, as his mission unfolds. He does also eat with religious rulers, and, of course, his own disciples. We often find him eating. It's also worth noting here that to underline his commitment to the importance of the meal table, that he doesn't just leave his disciples with some comforting words, he gives them communion. N.T. Wright says, when Jesus wanted to explain to his disciples what his forthcoming death was all about, he didn't give them a theory, he gave them a meal. It's by breaking the bread and taking the cup that we remember Jesus' death until he comes. We remember his body, beaten, bruised, pierced, hung on a tree. We remember his blood shed for us after a severe whipping and having a crown of thorns rammed onto his head. And, and steel spikes put through his wrists and his feet. And he did all of that so that we could be reconciled to the Father. That we could know that there is a meal coming. The greatest feast that will ever be at the wedding feast of the Lamb. That we are invited to. He did it so that our sins were forgiven and washed clean. Taken as far as east is from the west. He gave us a meal to remember that, not just doctrine. We get around the table. Remember me, he says, when you come to this table and take this meal. There is an intimacy, an openness, closeness that comes with eating and drinking together that cannot be ignored. Jesus ate with others and also gave us a meal to remember him by. We also get to share meals with others, not just your friends in the church. I think we're pretty good at that in general but those who don't yet know him. However, I wonder how often it actually happens. I'm guessing if you're anything like me, there will be several reasons why you don't do this. Well, very valid. Number one, I can't cook, or my house isn't fit to have people in. Okay? Now, I just want to remember that both of those statements are relative statements when you make them. Relative to how good you think it is or how nice you think your house is. They could just be your opinion and not necessarily the opinions of others. They might love your food and love your house. 
they also miss the point completely. Because it's not about how good a cook you are or how nice your house is. It's about blessing others by eating, drinking, talking, listening, and connecting. That's what it's about. If you really can't cook, order something in. Suggest going out. Or just have a cup of tea. Depending on who it was with and what time it is. I'll tell you something. B has done so much around our dining room table with a cup of tea and a couple of shop-bought biscuits. She asked me not to say shop-bought biscuits because she likes her baking. I said to her, the point is, I'm trying not to get people to bake. I'm trying to show them you can just get a shop-bought biscuit in. <laughs> and if your home really isn't up to scratch, go out and have something. Just make space and time to eat with someone. Number two, is this just for extroverts? <laughs> Thanks for the giggle. Thought we might get one. The temptation here is to think that this is an extroverted endeavor, an extroverted behavior. Tim comes up, evidently an extrovert, and he kind of comes up and he says, in my work, we want to get everyone in to eat. For some of you are going, I want to sit on my own and get some breathing space. Okay, I get that. However... If Jesus really did value this, and if this is really how we are wired to have meals together, then introvert versus extrovert really doesn't come into it. There are preferences. My preference is actually to be in my home, in my own company, not talking very much to anyone. Now, not many people understand or believe that of me, but those who know me well know that's very true. However, I choose to override that preference so that others find a home in mine. Or so I go to someone else's home and enter their world. I am not the center of my world. Do you know that? You are not the center of your world. Jesus is the center of your world. And all that we do, we do for him, not for us. Our lives are not our own. And he has called us to prefer other people over ourselves. Number three, I wouldn't know what to say. It may be you'll be worried about awkward silences because you wouldn't have enough to say. Maybe you are a bit more introverted. But again, that's because we're thinking that we're going to have to carry all the conversation, that somehow we've got to be the entertainment. How about thinking about it a bit differently, though? How about if we thought about learning more about those who are coming over? That's the point of having them. We want to learn more about them and get into their worlds and understand what they're about. Or if we go to their house, we want to learn more about them and what they're about. Practicing the listening more that we heard about last week. Have a few questions up your sleeve like, you know, where did you grow up? That, that opens up conversation. What kind of jobs have you had in your career? What do you do for fun? One that B and I use if we're meeting with couples is to ask them to tell us about how and where they met. That's always a great one. It always is a lot longer than you think it's going to be when they tell their story. It's also quite a good eye-opener, an insight into their lives as you watch the couple tell their story and who tells which bit. So you just get to learn about people. Don't worry about what you'll say. Be excited about what you'll learn. And here's the classic, it's the last one, number four. I just don't have time for this. I get that. 
At the beginning, I talked about the Taylor intentionality about trying to eat a meal together at the end of each day. And uh, we call it dinner at home. Maybe you call it tea or supper, depending on what your upbringing was or where and in what class system you might have put yourself into. Now, you may be thinking, we can find it hard at times to fit this bit in, just sitting around the table as a family. And you're asking me to get someone from my street or eat with someone at work. I just don't know how that's all going to fit in. I hear you. It just takes a little shift of thinking. Think about this. You do probably eat three times a day. That's at least 21 times a week. In between that, you're going to have coffee and a cup of tea at some point, or a squash or water, if that's your preference. Could you take one of those moments to share with someone who is not in your immediate household? Lunch with someone at work. Breakfast with a neighbor you've got to know. Dinner before club with that friend that you've got friendly with. If getting a meal in is too hard, start with, uh, to start with, or not culturally relevant, what about a cup of tea again or a pint at the local? And I'll keep, I'm repeating these things. I just want it to get into us. We can build this into our daily or weekly or, or maybe even annual routines. Start somewhere. Every bonfire night, we set out our barbecue on the front driveway. So this is coming up this, this Saturday evening. We've always been in contact with the guy down the road. We've got it sorted. And our neighbors come over for burgers and hot dogs. We've been doing this for nearly a decade at our house. What started with two families is now at least six households up and down the road. And we've got some new neighbors to invite this time around. So we're hoping they'll come out to play. And this has become an annual event. But it has also made spaces for other events throughout the year. Tea and cake for royal occasions. We don't have to be asked to do that by the government. We just do that. Barbecues up and down the road throughout the, throughout, the, throughout the year. Meals for people who have had babies or those who are older and are housebound. We're not quite weekly on this stuff, but we regularly share hospitality in some way with the people up and down our street. What I realized, though, as I was preparing this, was that we hadn't had many sit-down meals with people on our, meal, on our street, in our home or going to their homes. And I've often said no to the beer at the local pub from a couple of the guys because of being too busy. I think it's time for me to turn some of those no's into yeses. What about you? Are we really too busy? The Bible is clear. We have been placed where we live, work, and play for a reason. That some would seek him and find him, and they find him in us. Let's be those like Jesus who enter people's worlds to eat with them, or indeed invite others into ours so we can get to know them, be a blessing to them, and maybe God willing, they will get to know Jesus through us. A simple title, eat, but a profound way of showing our love and valuing of others. I want to take just a moment now, just a pause, and I want you just to think of someone that you could maybe share some sort of meal with this week. Is it a, a coffee at work? 
Is it breakfast at some point? Is there someone that you can reach out to and just invite around for a meal? Just take that moment now. Maybe God is bringing that person to mind right now. Might be someone unexpected. Someone you're kind of cringing at the thought of right now.